What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Posbon, and you are listening to part three of episode 20 of VGM Generations. And with me this time is Norm Guerrero. Hello. And Aaron Blauchuk. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that. And we are talking about the SNES Classic. You got me on that one. The SNES Classic, the SNES Classic, the SNES Classic, the Super Nintendo Classic. Uh, and it's... Aaron's turn to go first? Oh, yes, it's Aaron's uh, turn. Really? To go first. It feels like I never get to go first. Yeah, well, let's get this out of the way. You say that I, every time. Do I? <laughs> yeah, I'll get this do. out of the way and then I can sleep the rest of the podcast. There you this go. That's great. right. I'll take off. Yeah. All right. I'm talking about a game that everybody has heard of. I'm talking about it because I've played so few games on this that this is an easy, easy ish one to talk about. So the game is Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. You heard of it? Yeah, it's your favorite, right? You know it. <laughs> well, now that you mention that, it's funny because before the podcast, I was mentioning that I didn't have a lot of notes for Link to the Past. So I'll get the sort of standard stuff out of the way. Developed by Nintendo EAD, um, published by Nintendo, obviously. Uh, the year was 1991 in Japan, and the, it was 1992 when it hit North America. The music was, of course, you know, if you've ever listened to this podcast or if you've ever played games in general, you could guess that it was Koji Kondo, who we know and love. And uh, the game Link to the Past is widely considered one of the best Zelda games. Like, if not the best Zelda game in the entire Top three, for sure. Yeah, it it consistently hits, like, uh, top games of all times list, too. This is a much beloved game, and I was thinking about it a little bit. And uh, like I said, I have no nostalgia for it. And I've played it. I beat it. I own it on the Super Nintendo, and I own it on, you know, the GameCube, and I own it on the Game Boy Advance. I own it for many systems. Yeah, I think everybody does. Exactly. (laughs) But it is my 11th favorite Zelda game. 11th? It is the 11th favorite. So my note, it consists of just a list of all the Zelda games that I like better than Link to the Past. (laughs) All right, what are they? Allow me to read this list. (laughs) So I like Zelda 1, the original. Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. Link's Awakening on the Game Boy, which was very similar to... Wait, are these in order? They're not in order. Okay. But I can tell you what my what my favorite one is. I can even tell you why. Like I, I'm I'm not putting them in any order, but yeah. Breath of the Wild is number one. Yeah, that is my favorite. Twilight Princess number two. So Twilight Princess is above it. Um, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, <laughs> both both Oracle games, Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons. <laughs> I I really really like those ones. Uh, Wind Waker, and uh, I, I mentioned, but maybe not heard. Uh, Link's Awakening, which of course was the Game Boy version of this game, which had a lot in common with it, but. I should Skype Jordan just so he can fight you. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> wanted Jordan to be here so I could argue with him over like the hierarchy of Zeldas. Yeah, sadly, Jordan's ill. He yeah. could not join us today. But, uh, but uh, anyway, you know, Breath of the Wild is still the best. And that said, I mean, I like this game. It's a great game. I like all the Zelda games. Saying it's 11th in the series is no no great dig considering that. 11th is a series is still like in the top yeah. 100 games this ever is made. gold of, of like my favorite series of all time. Yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's... A great game amongst many peers in its sort of great games. And uh, this game is notable, especially from the music side, because it gave the series many of its most well-known motifs overall. So, I mean, the original Legend of Zelda obviously gave us the classic overworld theme, which everybody knows. But this was the introduction of the such themes as uh, Zelda's Lullaby, Ganondorf's theme, uh, the Hyrule Castle theme, Kakariko Village, and the uh, Fairy Cave slash Select Screen theme. So... This very, very well-known music that has been spanned across the franchise made its debut here. So That's awesome. Yeah. And I wanted to pick something, like there's a, there is a lot of good music in it. Like we've been listening to a lot of Super Nintendo music and I was thinking about my last pick, which was Ghouls and Ghosts and how that was considered to be like 
pushing the chip and to be like the pinnacle of like how you could do music on the, uh, on the Super Nintendo. And, I, and especially lis- listening to other tracks, listening to what Ko- Koji Kondo did on Link to the Past just shows like a mastery of that system. Like it is fantastic music. Mm-hmm. And of course, this game also benefited. I don't know if it benefited on the music side, but it also had an, I believe, an eight megabit cartridge. Where, yeah, which was most, larger than the first yeah, ones. Where were most four. cartridges were four. Yeah. And Nintendo, of course, because they had the resources to put behind this game, decided to expand it and make it an eight big megabit cartridge. And even with the added storage that they had on this on this game, it was a huge game, but they also did a whole bunch of little tricks I learned to uh, make even more fit. Things like the light world, dark war- world, palette swap. They only used like on e- any sprite or any tile, they only used eight of the available 16 colors that the Super Nintendo could handle oh, in order to so further cut do down the memory. Swap. So they had yeah. like the ridiculous amount of uh, tricks to make such an enormous game on the Super Nintendo hardware. So Link has pink hair. Yeah. <laughs> and I got to wonder, is that why he has pink hair? Because I think it has a, something to do with that, actually. Yeah, bizarre I, I can't choice. confirm, but... They wanted something else pink on his uniform or something like that. Um, <laughs> what year did you say it was again? It was 91 in Japan, 92 in okay. North America. So that was only that was only like a year after my pick, which they didn't actually get up to the eight megabyte cart yet. So. Well, that's the thing is I don't, it wasn't like a big switch. It wasn't like we were four, now it's eight and everybody's going eight. Yeah, and yeah. I don't even think eight megabit cartridges were available to most developers. This was just because Nintendo, it was Nintendo. Yeah, and they had well, the, the, yeah. it was probably the game that, made them go to eight, not the other way around. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, you know, it's not like everybody switched to eight. It was like this one. And like, if you were a big developer with a big budget and could actually support it, then maybe, but it probably wasn't economical for most developers to go that way. I think at the very end of its life, they got up to, I think I th- maybe this is totally outlandish because it sounds crazy when I say it, but I think they got all the way up to 20. No. Is that crazy? Maybe. Because, well, I don't know. I <laughs> thought I read that like some of the very, very, very latest uh, SNES games had, up to 20 megabyte cartridges. I only say no because, you know, you said it was going to sound outlandish. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that is outlandish. Yeah, I don't know. Fact check us if I'm yeah. crazy, but yeah. But I wanted to also, because it, it's a great soundtrack with lots of great themes, I wanted to pick a song that wasn't very common, commonly picked, I guess. Like you've got your standard overworld theme and even the uh, sort of dark world theme, your Hyrule Castle theme, the many themes that I even talked about. But I picked one that is called Dark Mountain Forest. Hmm. Does anybody know what that one is? Just not off the top of my head. head? It's the uh, Imperial March one, right? (laughs) Pretty much. It's kind of, it's the Imperial March one. It's the song that plays in the game on Death Mountain when you're in the dark world. And it's specifically because of course in the game, when you go to the dark world for the first time, you start out as a pink bunny because you don't have an item, the moon pearl, which allows you to be yourself in the dark world. Yeah. Yeah. But (laughs) <laughs> what what, what were you going to say? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, there's some, it's like it shows your true self. Yes. So there's the one guy who's a bully and the other guy who's <laughs> a ball and the yeah. bully's kicking the ball around. It's, it's like, it's not just a ball. He makes like a ball sound, but he's kind of like a pink mushroom. Yeah. And it's, it's bizarre because even when you're Link, you can't stop the bully. No, you're, you're basically an impotent pink bunny. So what does that say about Link, right? I always yeah. wondered. But even when, even after you get the moon pearl and you're Link, you, the bully is still kicking around that mushroom and oh, you yeah. can't do anything to stop him. So what kind of hero is that? He's like, this is this bullying that's been going on for endlessly, eternally, and Link won't even Yeah, he's even just stop. indifferent to anything that's, yeah. and that's uh, not related to his quest, <laughs> <Exactly>. I guess. <laughs> he, he can't be bothered. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so Dark Mount Forest is after you get the Moon Pearl and you go into the Dark World for the first time after 
after you can actually be Link in the Dark World, and this is the theme that played. And I really liked it because in the game, there's a there's almost like this sort of wind howling kind of sound effect that the that they were doing in the background. So it's very ominous. Like it, you gave the, it gave the sense that you were on this like barren mountain, and the wind was whipping around, and then it's got this kind of march that just makes it sound like things are dangerous. You are in trouble. You know, good luck. Very good. So let's listen to it. It's uh, Dark Mountain Forest. It's funny that that when we uh, when I was looking for this song, most recordings I found of this song actually had the uh, the wind whistling sound in the background, and I'm like, I want to play this song, but do I really want to subject listeners <laughs> to this like horrible <laughs> constantly as uh, the well, song? Oh, you just did, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, and then I actually did found, and I was looking for a version of this song that didn't have it, and then I realized I had one the whole time because at one point in history, based on the popularity of this game, and people may have heard of it because it's very famous. Um, Nintendo released a Zelda soundtrack track called Zelda Sound and Drama. I don't know that one. It was it came out after like after the popularity of this game. Yeah, so it's before my time. Before your time, and it was uh, it was the entire soundtrack to Link to the Past, as well as the Famicom uh, versions of the original. Oh, uh, it's it, cool. And it's one of those soundtracks that is you know it's a the actual soundtrack is a collector's item today. Do you have one? I do not. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've got. I have a rip of it. I was going to say, that'd be really cool if you yeah, had one. I, d- I don't. What, when we were talking about, what, last week, it was the 700 track. Yeah, it was the 350 tracks, $300. Oh. Yeah, Ghosts and Goblins. <laughs> all, this, all this music you need to buy. Yeah, Aaron. exactly. All these collector, the collectibles. I'll buy it all with all the money I'm making off the podcast. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the zero dollars. This is, yeah, this is one of the earworms for me uh, from this game. One of the ones I'll... You know, hum or whistle, and people, oh, Star Wars fan, hey? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, because no. I can't properly approximate it, and you yeah, know, the tempo and everything, yeah. it's, like, it's, sounds it's, like <laughs> it's distinct and it's different, but yeah, to yeah. the layperson, <laughs> 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 but yeah. 
So is that uh, anything else? Like I said, my only note was about how much I love mm-hmm. other Zelda games than this game. But uh, And Norm, do you have a bone <laughs> to pick with that? Um, it's, no, it sounds I, like you guys have had this, this is, fight in the past. We, we've, we've discussed it in the past. Yeah. I don't think we fight over Zelda. We just... We, all, we both like Zelda, Zelda yeah. enough that that's, that's good enough. This is the reason I wanted a Super Nintendo originally. Oh, yeah, you game. talked about this, yeah. Yeah, like this was <laughs> the one I wanted to play. Well, uh, it, I don't know if I've told this one on this story in the podcast before. I must have told it. But anyway, uh, when I, I never owned a Super Nintendo, like I said, growing up. I was a Genesis kid. But I was at Toys R Us one day, and I saw they only were... They, like, it was on the end of the Super Nintendo era. I, it was harder to find games. You couldn't really find as much anymore, so they had, like, maybe four in the case. And Zelda Link to the Past was one of the games. And I bought it, not owning a Super Nintendo. I'm like, I'm going to just buy this game because I love Zelda, and one who year. knows? Yeah. And I owned that game for years, years and years and years, before I ever even played it. I borrowed a Super Nintendo from somebody to finally play it years later. That's awesome. And then years later after that, I finally bought a Super Nintendo. So it's, <laughs> it's I owned this game for like six years before I even owned a Super <laughs> Nintendo. That's awesome. I, uh, last year, I found out there's a, um, someone hacked it. They, they hacked it so that all the items in the game are placed randomly. And it, essentially it generates a ROM of the game. And uh, I actually played through one. Sounds uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was really awesome because it's your own. You make a seed, like you can generate it yourself. So there's no, there's everyone no is unique, anywhere. right? Yeah, everyone's unique. So the, you have no choice but to force yourself through anything. You get stuck mm-hmm. because the items are placed randomly. Um, you have to, you have to get them in a different order, and you have to figure out new ways to get. From point A to point B. So because it, is it possible to actually break the game? They designed it so uh, it places them uh, smartly enough that that it's possible to get them all. And yeah. and I eventually finished it, but it was uh, it definitely uh, breathed new life into it. I think that's great because you know it basically forces you because a lot of people have played this game so many times that you play it by rote. Just play it by memory, right? You just yeah. you can go through it, but to force you to get through and think of different challenges in different ways is. That's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I highly recommend it. Yeah, if, if you can. Uh, what do you remember? What that was called? In case anyone wants to search it out. I mean, if if you searched "Link to the Past" randomizer, you'd get it. Okay, there yeah. you go. Yeah, so <laughs> just look for that on Google. That's very cool. All right, uh, so that's on to me. And uh, this week, I'm doing the pick that I knew I was going to do at some point this month, but I just chose to do it this week. And that, of course, is Super Mario World. I talk about this game all the time. <laughs> Nobody's surprised who's listening to the podcast. Zelda more than Mario, one we're just in the classics. Yeah, we're now, just in the classics. Actually, and I have to mention on the day of our recording, which is uh, November 16th, uh, this is uh, Shigeru Miyamoto's 65th birthday Oh, today. So happy, happy birthday. birthday. <laughs> Because <laughs> he yeah. listens and, you know, yeah, of course, we, we yeah. got a rapport. I've, we talk all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I call him up every Wednesday. We have a little chat. No, but uh, yeah. So happy birthday to the greatest game developer of all time. No question. Um, so the track I picked uh, from Super Mario World is just my personal favorite. Uh, and that is the Subcastle background music. So, uh, of course, this was developed and published by Nintendo in 1991 uh, in North America, 1990 in Japan. Uh, music, of course, by Koji Kondo again. So yeah, we're just doing the <laughs> yeah, classics today. Right. <laughs> so uh, this game uh, launched alongside the SNES in North America. 
Um, it is the best-selling SNES game of all time, selling over 20 million copies worldwide. Uh, and it has been re-released on just about everything Nintendo has ever made. Um, for me, uh, this is my personal favorite. Uh, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I tend to gravitate towards songs uh, as one time being a pretty uh, heavy bass player. I tend to gravitate towards songs that have a great bass line, and I feel like this of all the tracks in Super Mario World, this one has the best baseline. So that's why I like it so much. <laughs> um, so uh, a little bit on the, uh, I found again, again, I want asks, which continues to be a great resource for me for this podcast. And I miss that so much. I wish Nintendo would bring that back. And they so don't have anyone with the charisma. To yeah. Do like who, who's going to do yeah. it? I need someone to step up. Um, but uh, he did. Reggie demands. It's the new series. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> um, Reggie demands you answer the following. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh, when uh, Mario had its 25th anniversary, they released uh, like a, I think it was on the Wii. I believe it was. Uh, there was like a, a collection on the Wii. And I think, I know Jordan has it. I've seen the case. It was a nice case, but he, he was kind of disappointed with it because it was a very simple oh, release, but I know the collection. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. And, uh, it came along with the soundtrack. And when that happened, I Wada asked, did, uh, did an interview with Koji Kondo and they went through a bunch of just different tracks from all the different games. And it, they didn't pack, they didn't pick, uh, the sub castle background music. I can't remember what they picked, but I think it was just the overworld theme from super Mario world. But he said what he did for this game was something that he had started doing, uh, for super Mario bros three, because he was kind of, uh, not running out of ideas, but he was having a hard time because he wanted every game to have like sort of a unique sound, but still be recognizable. And so <laughs> what he started doing was making the overworld and the, and then the underground music sound sort of similar, like they were different and distinct, but the melody was still there. And he continued that on uh, for Super Mario World on the SNES when he came out with that. So um, let's listen to the subcastle background music from Super Mario World. Thank you. 
Well, it's funny you said uh, that you really wanted to have like a unique sound and like something distinct for each game. And then what happened? New Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Uh, you know, every new every new <laughs> Super Mario Brothers game has the that same sound, yeah. soundtrack. Yeah. And that's the same song. And, yeah. and you know, I, we've mentioned in the past that I'm pretty sick of that song. So it's interesting, actually, that you bring that up because in this same Iwata asks, he went uh, forward to uh, all the way to the new Super Mario Bros. The first one that launched on the DS. Mm-hmm. Uh, when and the first time I heard that music, oh, I yeah. liked it quite a bit. It, oh, yeah. I thought it was cool and unique. And, it was cool um, and it fit the platform too. I thought it was absolutely yeah. yeah. And uh, one of the things that was interesting too was he said that uh, I think Iwato actually was saying that he didn't know that Koji had done that music, but he thought that it was someone who was trying to imitate his style. And then he was like, oh no, it's just him. <laughs> so <laughs> Koji Kondo actually did write the music on that first one. But I yeah. think, I think, yeah, I think because the Nintendo machine like started cranking out those new Super Mario Bros. games, yeah. they they stopped worrying so much about it, every game having new music. Mm. But apparently, and I can't speak to this, unfortunately, but apparently the music in Odyssey is yeah. stellar. Well, they made up for it in other places because New Super Mario Brothers you yeah. know, had that problem and the whole series had that problem. The Galaxy, like, Galaxy is yeah. a great soundtrack. Like, yeah. I love the Galaxy Apparently soundtrack. Odyssey, like I'm seeing a bunch of polls on Twitter recently and like what what uh, game in 2017 has the best music and they're listening to every, all the big releases from 2017 and people are consistently voting for Odyssey. So yeah. I think uh, well, I'm very excited to play that and listen to that music. I think it's going to be great. Well, one thing I'd find, and I haven't played Obvi- Odyssey, obviously, but with a lot of other games, like playing games that I'm playing like right now, Horizon, is you get a lot of like good music, but it's background stuff. It's just yeah. ambient stuff. It's it's and, and even if it's not ambient stuff, it sort of blends into the background. But Mario, like a good Mario game has always been like, you notice the music. Yeah. Like, it stands out. It's kind of like along with it and you sing along with it and you remember it because it doesn't blend in. Yeah. I like to think of it as like, it's kind of like to liken it to movies. It's like anything that John Williams ever does. He always has these very distinct themes in it. Right. And yeah. so every time, Koji Kondo does something, he kind of does the same thing, right? Like you can hum the tune after you yeah. listen to it. So like it's got a theme, it's got a melody. There's a motif that is is memorable. It's and not it's not just yeah. like like you could say, this is good music, but there's nothing stand out from it that I could really pull and you know it's gonna get in my head and make me sing it for the next 30 years. <laughs> exactly. So a little bit more uh, about the development of the music for this game. Um so Koji, when uh, when you know they were developing this NES and he was there and he he got excited that he was able to use eight different sounds all at once. That was very new and exciting for him, <laughs> moving from the Nintendo to the Super Nintendo. Um, he could make chords. Wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and but it's it was it wasn't just chords. It was also just the different instruments that yeah. you could have all the different instrument sounds. So uh, to show it off um, right in the title theme of Super Mario World, if you listen to it, it's it's a very recognizable tune. But when you listen closely, he actually uses eight different instruments right in the title theme. Um, just <laughs> he to got show off. right away. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, he was actually a little worried, though, that like um, it, this, uh, this I thought was really interesting. He was a little worried that gamers wouldn't like the new different sounds that he was able to make because they were so used to the NES bleeps and bloops mm-hmm. that the and he said like triangle waves and square waves that that was kind of like it, it, even in the short time that the NES had been released it kind of had already um, become a subset of music this. And he thought this is what people think of as game music. So if I move too far away from that, will people dislike that because it doesn't <laughs> sound like game music to them. Yeah. But he decided, well, if I can't, if I can't make it distinct by going backwards, I should make it distinct by doing something else. And mm-hmm. what he decided to do was he was like, I'm going to combine 
weird instruments that you would never hear anywhere else together. So like one of the things he did was a banjo and a bugle. And he's like, I'm going to take the banjo sound and the bugle sound and I'm going to mash those together because nobody will ever expect that. Um, That's one thing I love about game music is that it defies all genres, essentially. Yeah, exactly. It's literally anything and all things from the weirdest, most experimental stuff to full on orchestral pieces. Yeah, yeah, now it is. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, for example, though, with the banjo and bugle, uh, the sound for jumping, uh, Mario jumping in um, Super Mario World is it's a pan flute that he like twisted and uh, and then that's what gave him the jumping sound. So if you go back and listen to the jumping noise, you're like, oh, yeah, I can see it. <laughs> uh, and the last thing I'll say is the one thing he wasn't excited about was uh, he had to make all his own sound samples uh, with the SNES, whereas in the NES, they were built into the system. You only could work with the palette that was there. In the Super Nintendo, you could work with whatever you came up with. And he said that made... Uh, composing music for the Super Nintendo a hundred times more difficult than it was. <laughs> because he's lazy, as we've established in the past. And yeah, yeah, Koji. Well, I think it was just like, you know, it's it's that um, when people get, what is, what's the term? When you get like disabled by choice, when there's like too many choices, like you, if you go up to get ice cream and there's only vanilla, you just get vanilla and you walk away and you're happy. Yeah. When you go up to get ice cream and there's 4,000 flavors. You're like, yeah, there's got to be a term for that. Like choice paralysis, analysis, paralysis. Analysis And there you go. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, I think you had a little bit of enemy (laughs) analysis paralysis. So yeah. So, but that's all I have for uh, super Mario world and the sub castle background music. Norm, what do you have for us this week? Uh, well, I have secret of mana. Some call it secret of mana. I call it secret of mana. I'm, I'm in the mana camp. Yeah, yeah I'm in the right. mana camp too. We're all we're all in on this one. By SquareSoft, a action RPG, kind of like Zelda, bit bit different. Um, Mike, I know you recently played <laughs> it on your S- NES Classic. I did. It came out in 1993, uh, and I got it for my 15th birthday, so that would have been 1994, a um, couple months after its release. Anyway, I think I'd rented it and fell in love with it then. Uh, still love the game. It was, interestingly, uh, three players simultaneously. If you had one of the... <laughs> I can't nobody remember. nobody did. If it was the multi-tap or the... Which was the, the NES one? There's the four <gasps> score and yeah. the multi-tap. And I can't remember which one was which. But I want to say multi-tap? Yeah, I think it's multi-tap. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so if you had three controllers... Let us know on thing, Twitter if we're wrong. <laughs> yeah, you could, you could play... Like, yeah, let us know on Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, if you had the multi If you had the hardware, you could play three players simultaneously, which was pretty cool. It's a Zelda-style game, but three people could play. So if you had the multi-tap, why did they limit it to three? Why wasn't it four? I don't know. It might I think have it been, was a hardware limitation, yeah, like a processing been, yeah. limitation. Yeah, because there's a lot going on in that game. It's a, it's a very vibrant game, uh, both music-wise, graphic-wise, animation-wise. There's, it, it's a really nice game to look at. Uh, first of all, now it, it's not without its technical problems. Um, all those bells and whistles did come with some drawbacks, which I'll get into a bit, but um, really lovable game for me, especially. So in Japan, it was known as Seiken Densetsu 2. Uh, the first version, the the original was uh, known as Final Fantasy Adventure for the Game Boy here. Yeah, that was the I first game. I that. Yeah. I and, own that. And it came out, it was remade for Game Boy Advance as Sword of Mana. Um, so if you ever wanted to play the original one, that that's where you would find it. Um, but anyway, this was Seiken Densetsu 2, named Secret of Mana in uh, North America. And 
So a bit onto the music. Um, the composer was Hiroki Kikuta, and he hasn't done a lot, but this was one of his first games, and uh, he's an all-around cool dude. If you uh, <laughs> Google a picture of him, you'll see him kind of like... He's, he must he, have a band like all the other like... Yeah, he's yeah. into like rock and yeah. fusion, and um, just he's always got like really leisurely attire on and has this look on his face like, yeah, I'm good. Because he is. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, Secret of Mana specifically, the, uh, the soundtrack, he was inspired by, um, he had recently, when compo- before composing it, he had visited some islands in Fiji. And I guess that was kind of his inspiration for the music there. Um, so there's, there is kind of almost like a tropical island feel to some of the harmonies and, and instrument choices. But he's also kind of uh, melded melded it with almost like rock influences kind of stuff you would hear in like Final Fantasy and and so really unique style really love his music he's one of my favorite composers from from the time um uh really interesting melodies and vitality to his tracks so anyway um the track i chose it's a fairly late game track so if you don't have the stamina to to get through this game then you can hear it here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a little cheek. Mike. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, it's called, I won't get into the details of it. Like it's a late game thing. I don't want to spoil anyone, but uh, the track is called Meridian Dance. It is battle music. Um, and uh, it's definitely one of my favorite tracks of the SNES era, if not my favorite track anyway. So let's hear it. Meridian Dance from Secret of Mana.
say that I was personally, I was personally misled by the Secret of Mana series, Secret of Mana series, Mana Mana, uh, in that because you mentioned that the original, the first one, came out for the Game Boy as uh, Final Fantasy Adventure. Yes, and I was a huge fan of the Final Fantasy Legend games on the Game Boy, so right. I bought that whole series. I loved them. Final Fantasy Legend, the Saga series, still one of my favorites. But of course. It also shared like the box art was very similar on the Final Fantasy Legend to Final Fantasy Adventure. Yes. Like they were the same design. So I bought Final Fantasy Adventure thinking <laughs> I was getting another Final Fantasy Legend and I was not. Yeah. You were duped. I was duped. And I was originally when I started playing it, I was angry, put it aside for like years, picked it back up years later, played through the whole game, said, yeah, it was all right. But I never, and I never fell in love with the series. It's, so. it's funny that neither of those games were. Final Fantasy yeah. games in Japan, but they uh, used Marketing. the brand over here. Oh, totally, yeah, they it leveraged was the it. name, right? So. Yep, it was basically all they had at the time. But. Do you think that? Uh, do you do you think they did it intentionally with the uh, with the legend and the legend and adventure? Do yeah. you think trying to? You mean trying to dupe me? Trying to suck me in? Yeah, like do you think well, they, with they the cover going, and stuff? Like obviously, the whole thing was Final a trick. Fantasy. Obviously, yeah, off I guess, the Final yeah. Fantasy thing. So it didn't matter whether you called it legend or adventure. They called it adventure, so it clearly wasn't in the numbered series of the legends. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, I. I, I probably could have read the back of the box and saw that it was <laughs> a it, different game. The, the graphical style, actually, like the sprites for your characters were very, very similar. So on initial appearances, it looked like a final, uh, a final fantasy legend games. So. Mm. Yeah. So a bit about the kind of system in this game. Like I said, it's a, it's an action adventure game, uh, similar to Zelda, but the, uh, it's kind of got more of an RPG weapon system is you have your ax, your sword, your spear, your, your, you know, various classic RPG weapon, melee <laughs> yeah. weapons, and uh, you, you kind of level them up as you go. And uh, w- one of my favorite parts about this game was the graphics and animation. And as you leveled up your weapons, I- instead of having disposable ones that you would buy and sell, you would just have one sword, one spear, and you could swap it around your characters. And each character could become proficient with the different weapons. And you could kind of customize, like, oh, I want the uh i want the girl to be good with the spear and i want the guy to be good with the axe and the sprite to be good with the the bow and arrow or whatever and as you leveled the weapons up you would unlock new attacks and each attack it was kind of a charge based attack similar to links spinning attack um you would get a different animation so they'd twirl the spear around one way or they'd twirl it above their heads or you know behind the back and just flashy moves and it's just like <laughs> unlocking point to the game was just to unlock cool animation Def- yeah. actually yeah. to me that was the reason i powered everything up to just the, to to see the max everything. level yeah. yeah i think there's eight eight or ten unique weapons <laughs> and nine levels to each weapon so that's that's a lot That's of, a stuff. Lot of yeah, animations. Like, this story is nonsensical, but I want to see the next weapon animation. Yeah, I mean, the story, yeah. Looking back, the story's pretty pretty bad now, but it's, back then, in the, you know, in the early days, it was like, yeah. to I, me, it was awesome. Having a coherent story at all was, you know, special back then. So. Yeah. For uh, RPG, or yeah. especially JRPG. The one thing I will say, um, kind of a tangent, but like on the same vein, uh, leveling up weapons and stuff like that. Ratchet and Clank, the original Ratchet and Clank, that like really got me about that game too. Because like the story was whatever. It's like two two unlikely heroes save the universe, whatever. But the, every weapon in that game, if you once you used it enough, would unlock a new power. So you would go from like, uh, like the uh, Mister. 
what was it called? Mr. Zerbot or something like that. <laughs> Mr. Zircon. Zircon. Thank you. Mr. Zircon would like go from one to three yeah. and or and like the sheepinator would like become a black sheepinator and yeah. stuff like that. So then all the enemies would attack it and stuff like that. I Mr. love that. Mr. Zircon is bored. <laughs> I love yeah. that. I love Mr. Zircon. So yeah, sorry. Small tangent, but yeah, no. Um, and also with, you know, graphics and animation, there was a magic system and it worked the same way you leveled up your magic and you know your fireballs would get bigger or your ice crystals would get sharper and it was just so awesome (laughs) (laughs) as an animation fan i want to play it now just for that reason yeah okay well i will say it is a really incredible grind to level up (laughs) especially your magic because you basically have to just continually cast every spell i think it's meant that you pick a favorite and that's the one you use and that's what levels up but i wanted to see everything so Mm -hmm. i would spend you know and it's magic unlike attacking it's a finite resource because you have magic points right so you have to cast your spells run back to town stay at the end go out find more enemies and it's it's not fun so but if you want to see the animations check out a youtube video it's uh i loved it so a lot less work yep the one thing, so yeah, like Norm mentioned, I, uh, I, I, or I can't remember if you mentioned, but I have started playing a little bit of Secret of Mana. Uh, me and my girlfriend, uh, she said, I want to play something. So I said, well, let's break out this fancy new console. We have this NES Classic and uh, let's try some of the two player stuff. And uh, one of the two player games is Secret of Mana. Uh, not three-player because there is no multi-tap yeah. for this. <laughs> I looked classic. into it. Someone's like, have they hacked it yet? No. Oh, oh, like somebody's trying to do it? There, Yeah, a few people have asked I, the question. I wouldn't be surprised. People have hacked that thing to pieces. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they might they might be able to add it back in. But um, yeah, once they have to get their hands on an original multi-tap. Well, but no, you have to get your hands on a, like a Wii... A, like a Wii controller oh, yeah. multi-tap, a Wii peripheral multi-tap, because that's what oh, the right. yeah, it classic controllers are. Actual input, yeah. It's yeah. yeah, so probably somebody have to make one. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> total tangent. But we started playing this game. The one thing I'll say, the thing I found very frustrating about this game, and, and it's probably just my inexperience as a JRPG player, but it's, the, it's how the weapons work. So... Every after every slash, your weapon recharges, and it's a timed base thing. And so, if you attack, if you try to tap a button, um, it's brutal because you'll just like you'll barely do any damage. You'll do like ones and zeros. Stale so, moves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you have to like hit, run away, run back, hit, run away, run back, and that just that drove me crazy. <laughs> and then the other thing was, uh, I'm just gonna. You just want a God of War that thing. You don't want exactly. Yeah, and I'm just gonna. But I'm all I'm gonna do is complain about this game. But uh, <laughs> the other thing I didn't love was the, um, the menu system is very. <laughs> obtuse would you say this is your 11th favorite secret of mana game <laughs> maybe it's in the gutter man <laughs> it's in the gutter. but yeah the menu system's really weird on this where it's it's a circular system which is not that odd but it's when you open a menu if you press the wrong button the menu moves to a different character and certain items can only be equipped on certain characters so i opened the menu, I pressed the wrong button and moved it over to the other character, and then I was like, I want to equip this new armor I just built, uh, just bought, and I couldn't figure it out, and then it took me like an like googling for like 20 minutes to figure out what the wow. heck was going on i like how norm really likes this game and he's like nodding and smiling yeah. knowingly. Oh, he's man. like yes this is all true this yeah game. Yeah, he, yeah he agrees that yeah. it's obtuse but he just powered through anyway yeah and i, I respect that because you <laughs> you know you told me how far you got you definitely gave it a fair shake i yeah. understand so i should mention that yeah. uh this game has 
soon to be re-released uh, remake on Steam and a couple other systems as well. So, is it a port or is it a remake? No, it's a remake. So, is it all new art? Uh, yeah, new graphics. Okay. New, uh, so, so you're gonna have to replay it and see all those new animations again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Regrind all those animations. I suspect they're gonna do something to streamline that system because, like yeah. I said, it, I I don't think I could do it again. <laughs> I I spent. Yeah, they'll probably ease it up. Most games that get remakes from the classic era get a little easier yeah, because they realize that to fix the broken systems. Right? But also, like they realize that a lot of players today don't have the patience for it, right? Like back in the day, you know, we talk about this all the time, but back in the day you bought your game and that was your game for maybe half a year. Exactly. So if it was grindy, that was okay because that was all you had to play. You'd yeah. already played everything else. Now it's like everybody's got their list of sh- shame of 400 games in Steam that they're, they're willing to jump to instead of grinding through your yeah. obtuse Which RPG. Which is why it drives me nuts that like nowadays it's like so many people, like AAA titles, but how many people like buy a game and actually finish it? So you think about all these games with these like multi-million dollar bu- budgets and a lot of people don't see like the last third of that game. So all this work, all this effort, all this art, all this time and nobody sees it. I know. Well, I don't think it's nobody, but it's I, not I'm nobody, sure but it's a, I mean, a, a large percentage. I'm very big into like making sure I finish games, yeah, but you, I, I know a, a lot of people who basically do that. They start a game, they play it until the next big thing comes out and then they just move on. Yeah. Essentially. I always yeah. try and go back. Yeah. There's only, there's actually one game. My like top shame game is uh. <laughs> and you're probably going to disagree with this, but Banjo and Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. I put that game down. Do you remember that game? I don't know. Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. N- Norm? No. No? Okay. Is that oh, an Xbox? It is an Xbox yeah. game. Oh, yeah. Did you have an Xbox? No. No? Okay. A 360 game. Uh, this is an X360 game. So this was after Rare was purchased by Microsoft. Um, they came out with a new Banjo and Kazooie game. And um, I was a big fan of Banjo Tui, especially. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yeah, I was really excited. All my friends bought it and they got super into it. And what happened was it's a, um, I guess it's in sort of a same vein as you could say, almost like a Minecrafty thing because what, yeah. So what <laughs> happens is, uh, you, you play through the game. It's a platformer, a but what, what some of the platforming challenges are, you have to build a vehicle. Uh, or build a contraption. And that's why it was nuts and bolts. And so uh, you would build these crazy contraptions and then it would be like, so it would be like, there's this giant ramp. You have to build a glider that is, that can carry enough fuel, but is also light enough to get you all the way across this, you know, chasm. And then you can continue the game. And it was a really cool game. And and my friends got super into it because there was like an arena mode where you could basically face off with your friends. And so it was like one of the matches was sumo and it was basically build the biggest, heaviest, most powerful, most ridiculous vehicle you can build, smash into each other and see who can knock each other out of the ring. <laughs> and they got hugely into that. And I, I don't know. I just like, I dropped off on that game and that's, that's my most yeah, we'll shameful. Just, we'll just Gary's mod that same sort of thing. And yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. That. But yeah. So yeah. Benjo Kazoo nuts and bolts. That's my, that's my <laughs> game of shame. But well, yeah. it's funny with like, again, back to the whole game of shame thing is like, you can really see that whole trend just because of, uh, achievements and trophies, right? Yeah. You, you can see like 90% of players saw the intro. I'm like, what's that 10% that didn't even see the intro. And then, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then you get at the further you along, you get an actual, the game progress. It's like, yeah, the end, like see, see the very ending of the game. It's like 2% of players. Yeah. Saw this. It helped you see it, but it also, I think helped, uh, developers. Well, help well. developers, but also help more people 
want to finish games. Yeah. I think the 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 quest for trophies and achievements yeah. helped. Suddenly it was a challenge because yeah. you could you know you were kind of almost competing with people. Right? Well, and that people would see that you hadn't done it. They're like, oh, you only played Barbie's horse adventure for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't even get the good ending. Yeah, that's right. Bad Barbie's horse, horse adventure ending. So so I've I've kind of you know bumped up this game's animation and graphics quality. Um, it really is great, the sprite work and stuff. And I just kind of a piece of trivia. There's one uh, one enemy. It's like a magic book, and it flips to random pages. And depending on what's depicted on the page, it'll cast a spell on you based on that page. Um, one of the rare pages it turns to is a. It's like a centerfold nude. <laughs> <laughs> and it's in all versions of the game, so it even in North America, it's so rare. Yeah, it's so rare. Oh, I don't know what the S. Uh, I that's you a really good they question. Cut it out for the latest release, that's a really good question. But when the the book flips to it, now it I gotta of, get that far in the game. <laughs> yeah, it's right at the end too. Oh darn! Uh, <laughs> it it flips to the page and pauses. The it pauses for a few frames and then it nervously flips over to the <laughs> next page to to a spell. So it's just, oh, like, it's just a joke. It's just yeah, a joke. it's a total joke. That's but, awesome. Uh, That's such a Japanese joke. Some sort of nudity spell in your entire party is yeah. <laughs> naked. Yeah, it, it would be feasible within like the spells of the game for something like that to happen. But <laughs> That's hilarious. He probably yeah, it's probably on the cutting room floor. Oh yeah, they they developed that, and then like the publisher was like, Mm-mm. yeah, Nintendo was like, no, that's yeah, not not even not, in Japan. It couldn't get the seal of quality with but, uh, with that in. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm really curious if that made it into the yeah. SNES Classic <laughs> version. If so. if you if any listeners know, let us know. If any of you have a SNES Classic and have beat Secret of Mana and fought in the fought in the magic spell book, let us know <laughs> if the if the nude is still hidden yep. in there somewhere. So, but you're saying like it's random chance, like that yeah. you'll even hit that page. Yeah, apparently. So, like you could have beat it and still not seen it. I don't remember seeing it. Okay. So crazy. And I, like I said, I played a lot, especially grinding. Right. So yeah. you fight a lot of enemies a lot. And this so. wasn't like a boss encounter. This was just some no. Random it's just a book. random minion. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That that would be very hard to determine. <laughs> that may not have even been determined yet. In give it a year when everybody has their SNES classics for a year, and then we'll know. All right. Is that all you have for Secret of Mana? That's about it, yeah. All right. Well, I didn't love it, but Norm loved it. You might love it. Go play Secret of Mana if you have a SNES Classic and tell us what you think. Uh, So yeah, Uh, Norm, what have you been playing? I've been playing the Yamaha PSR 32 keyboard. <laughs> oh yeah, actually, that's a great story. That's a great story. This is totally related. <laughs> tell, tell, tell everybody about your Yamaha keyboard. Oh, uh, I recently, um, I saw a video where... Uh, his name's 8-Bit Guy. He has a channel called 8-Bit Keys on YouTube. Check him out if you like 8-Bit music and old school um, music. Anyway, he did a, a video on the Sound Blaster keyboards, and he kind of he provided a list and a demonstration video of all the Yamaha keyboards that had the exact same sound chip that the Sound Blaster sound cards uh, came with back in the early 90s. So I found, uh, I sought one of them out, used uh went and picked it up and sure enough it's uh it's the real deal so that's what i've been playing <laughs> i want and i want to hear what you're playing on it because man the original sound blaster stuff i want <laughs> is there any games? recreations is there any games you're trying to like play to like hear that same sound I, again? Ultima I underworld a, for sure i did right? play a couple yeah. tracks from uh, ultima <laughs> underworld 2 because they're very simple yeah, <laughs> yeah. so Soon we'll have uh, we'll have new intro music by Norm played on his, on his I, Yamaha keyboard. I want to hear actually. I'd like a concert of Ultima Underworld music. 
you know, let's see what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you want to, you want to like pay Norm to yeah. put on a concert? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd pay too. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All right. So that's a good story. But, uh, any, any other games you've been playing other than Overwatch, of course? Uh, yeah. Overwatch. And I'm <laughs> almost done, uh, uh, Metroid Samus Returns. Oh, very good. But, uh, I think that's what I was still on last month. So <laughs> I'm, uh, Old reliable. But that doesn't matter because Norm informed me of something, this podcast, but uh, I can't promise this yet because we haven't looked into it enough. But as we have always been playing Overwatch every month since that game came out, uh, and I can always say that I've been playing Overwatch, um, Blizzard at the last BlizzCon just released that you are now able to gift uh, like in-game stuff in in from the, uh, what is it called? Battle.net. It's still called Battlefield, even though they said they were going to change that. Didn't name. they change it and then change it back? I think they did. They I did, think they yeah. tried to change it, and, and then they like, were like the backlash, or or the people were just like, "Why?" And yeah. then they were just like, "Yeah, I guess fine." Because they were just going to call the interface Blizzard or something <laughs> Blizzard like that. Blizzardnet, yeah. I think it was, or yeah. something like that. But anyway, anyway. Uh, but yeah, on Battlenet, you can now gift in-game items, which means hopefully we can gift loot boxes, and that is something I will definitely put in the giveaway because I love loot boxes. I love Overwatch and I would love to give away the happiness of opening loot boxes. It's the greatest joy. It's Christmas morning every time. I'll so, start entering if that's Yeah, I'm going to quit the yeah. podcast and become just a general <laughs> become listener, a listener to again. get the loot boxes. <laughs> so yeah, so I think maybe this will get us some new listeners. So if you know any Blizzard Overwatch fanatics that even have a slight interest in video game music, please refer them to our podcast and they could win. Tell them they could win loot boxes. And they'll be like, oh yeah, it's that loot box. Overwatch loot box podcast. podcast that's right. We don't know what it's called. It's just the loot box. It's the one. loot box podcast. That's right. But uh, VGM generations in case, in case you forgot since the beginning. <laughs> but yeah, so that is something I, if, if possible, I will definitely put in the giveaway. I know that the currency swap is coming, I think like this week or this weekend. Um, um, I got an email. Yes. Yeah. They're yeah. basically in, in oh, yeah. a bunch of countries. They're actually switching the store currency to the local currency instead of USD everywhere. So maybe it'll coincide with that. Uh, but yeah, if we can give away loot boxes, which I'm going to say that we can, that's part of the giveaway. So the other two games in the giveaway are Guacamelee Super Turbo Championship Edition and Steam World Heist are the other two games on Steam. Those two um, are also in the giveaway. So if you don't like Overwatch and you're crazy, uh, <laughs> you, you can have one of those games, uh, and to enter, to win those wonderful prizes. What do you do, Norm? Ah, you go and check us out on our social media platforms, interact with us, share us, like us, say hi. All good. Yeah. All, all, all that good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> argue with us. Argue with us. If argue argue Aaron, with us. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron wants to fight. Aaron's in a, he's in a fight mood. Just yeah. if you love, uh, Legend of Zelda. Link to the past. Link to the past. You can hop on. It's what is your at Aaron Zoom? Yeah, and just go <laughs> do a fight him. Come fight me, bro. Or, or if you come think, at me, bro. If you think Eleven's too generous and it belongs further down the list, yeah. yeah. Like you know, I didn't list the games that I, uh, you know, that are actually below it. Yeah, yeah. that's you know, that's like Minish Cap and, and the Phantom Hourglass, the Panasonic CD, Skyward games. Sword. Yeah, yeah. I know Jordan <laughs> would fight me about Skyward Sword. He definitely would. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh. oh yeah, he he loves Skyward Sword. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, he's he's yeah. he's alone on this podcast on that one. But yeah, uh, <laughs> sorry, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> sorry if you're listening, Dor. But uh, yeah, so that's right. You can interact with us in any way, shape, or form on your social media platform of choice, be it Facebook or Twitter, uh, or send us an email at the email address vgmgenerations at gmail dot com. And of course, for those ten thousand entries for that loot box goodness, feel free 
to leave us a review on iTunes or uh, or leave us a comment on SoundCloud. All of that stuff is great. Uh, yeah, so that's it for SNES Classic Part 3, and we will catch you guys next time.